Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Welcome back, everyone, to hopefully what I hope to be another brand new exciting batch of episodes into 2022 of Take 97, a film podcast. Um, This film that I'm going to discuss today on today's episode will not be something that's brand new as such, but it is the film that arguably shut down the lid on cinema in 2021, or at least one of the films anyway, because there's a couple, but this one in particular, I went to see it in the cinema literally a day after it came out, the day after it came out, as soon as I possibly could, and the hype was real. I was so up for this, I'd seen the trailers and everything, and like, nostalgia, emotional, and excitement, those are the three words I would use to describe this film that we're talking about today, and that is Spider-Man No Way Home, the third in the trilogy of films brought to us by director John Watts within the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the partnership between Marvel and Sony, who have managed to bring Spider-Man into this collective universe rather than just being in the Sony-verse. I think that this film is a crowd-pleaser at the end of the day, and I will say now, there are spoilers ahead. This episode is filled to the brim with spoilers. If you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, avert your ears, pause this, come back to it when you've seen the film, and then listen ahead. Of course, if you don't care about spoilers and you just want to hear my opinions or you just want to hear about the film in general and you, or you've just read it up online, by all means, just continue listening. But I have warned you, spoilers ahead. So, let's begin the episode. Uh, I'm just going to go through a quick roll call of... so. The story so far, the characters included in the film, and the ones that will lead us on to my highlights, then, shall we say, of the film. And then ultimately, I'll just sort of cap this off with a little review of how I think it stands up, really, and how it will stand up, because I have an opinion about how this is going to stand up in the future as a Marvel film, as a Spider Man film, as a film in general. So let's get started. So the film Spider Man No Way Home literally picks up where from we left off with Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker and MJ, played by Zendaya, we see them at the end of Far From Home in the post credit scene where Spider-Man's identity is revealed to be Peter Parker to the world, and he's framed for killing Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal in the previous film, and you've just got MJ and Peter dressed as Spidey going, what the, what? And then we're left there for a solid couple of years because pandemic and everything like that but also just generally left on that big massive cliffhanger so we then pick off where we left off so so far you know we've seen peter's interrupt first love with liz in homecoming and you know becoming used to his responsibilities as a friendly neighborhood spider-man but also being a bit naive and young and adventurous as we get him integrated into the marvel cinematic universe and we've seen his roles within the likes of infinity war endgame uh, and also captain america civil war which is where we first saw his debut appearance then with iron man captain america all those guys but these films really do show spidey in his absolute best light i would say uh, and i i personally grew up with the toby Maguire films so spider-man one two and i want to say three but i don't actually remember watching three very much i will be honest with you one and two i watched very avidly and vividly i remembered them and then i hadn't seen spider-man well it's not spider-man the amazing spider-man one and two i hadn't seen either of those i knew about certain events and i know the fact for a fact that something dramatic happens to Emma Stone's character of Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I hadn't seen the films, 
I wasn't really bothered. People said that they were rubbish, and unfortunately, I listened to them and I didn't watch them. So I gave up on that, and also I was at that age where I wasn't really into it, so I didn't follow it. Uh, that's my sort of main reasoning. So really, I only remember the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, and I watched the Tom Holland ones because I was into the MCU, and I thoroughly enjoyed his portrayal of, of Peter Parker as a much, what seems like a actually accurate portrayal of a young high school kid. Uh, whereas I think Tobey Maguire, whilst he was in school for a portion of like the beginning of the first film, he doesn't actually really give off that vibe that he is a student then. He, when he's in this sort of segments with J. Jonah Jameson, he's a photographer, it's slightly more believable. But, this, you know, I think that because Tobey Maguire, whilst he does look young, eternally young by all accounts, unless he grows beard to a degree, he has always had that sense that he is older than what he's playing. Whereas Tom Holland obviously is accurately in his 20s now, and he actually is giving that nice portrayal of that boyish innocence, slowly going from boy to man, which I feel is the journey of director John Watts's home, as I'm going to call them, trilogy of Spider-Man films, where we get to see the boyish innocence in Homecoming, the growing pains of teenage love and angst in Far From Home, and then as he transfers himself into adulthood in No Way Home, and I'll get more to that later. So basically, we see the fact that Spider-Man has been framed for killing Mysterio, and he's been in a sticky situation. The whole of the opening of No Way Home is dedicated to basically picking up from where we left off in Spider-Man Far From Home, and seeing how <laughs> he gets ultimately uh, tracked down, and everybody's got cameras on him, crowds are around him trying to huddle around MJ, and trying to ask her loads of qu awkward questions, like, are you Spider-Man's girlfriend, and really hustling her and stuff, and then on top of that, we've also got helicopters coming in, and spying on Peter, and surrounding his apartment and everything and we are also picking up on the leftover romance from happy hogan and um aunt may as well uh, they're trying to have like a little session together and then all of a sudden the news is everywhere and peter's been exposed to spider-man and at the end of the day with that that's where it sort of really picks off and it's wrapped up quite quickly i would say because then this is one of my highlights at least i know one of my friends uh sean harris who was on the podcast not long ago talking about Edgar Wright he loves the TV series Daredevil and the actor Charlie Cox who played Daredevil in that TV show also known as Matt Murdock he is featured in this very small albeit important role uh, to bail Peter out of his legal troubles and it's quite funny how they really just sort of were like oh everybody knows he's Spider-Man and you know he's gonna get arrested and he looks like he's gonna go down for time for killing Mysterio uh, it now turns out that you know that was all really easy to get out of because obviously Mysterio was faking the whole him being killed thing and it was all an illusion and it's all smoke and mirrors in a way uh, with technology but Charlie Cox's character Matt Murdock he just appears uh, he just the way he appears on screen all of a sudden goes I think that's gonna be fine he just slam bang right on the screen I think that personally is a big highlight for me and especially for anyone who loves the character of Daredevil. I actually remember the Daredevil film. <laughs> the Daredevil film from the early 2000s, I want to say. It is. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I do remember it. And I haven't watched much of the TV series Daredevil, but Charlie Cox's portrayal of it from the clips that I've seen is very good. And I just love how he, he was there, but then he was gone. But it was an important stepping stone into getting over that stupid, annoying plot hole, or plot point, where... Oh, is this going to be a film all about Spider-Man trying to escape from jail? It's not. The legal troubles are fine, but the social ramifications 
are completely different and the fact that everybody thinks a certain way and has that opinion of someone now that it's out there that's very relevant to nowadays with the way media social media works and once it's out it's out no matter how true or untrue it is it's out in the public eye that kind of thing and it really does come to bite peter on the bum as it were this film we then see he has a moment where he looks up and he sees like a halloween decoration of some sorts which looks a bit like a wizard it's very similar to doctor strange and he's like oh i can go to doctor strange and he can help me and the premise of the film really is that he goes to doctor strange to cast a spell so that everybody forgets that he's sp- peter parker is spider-man now he then tampers with the spell and, and this is something that's revealed very obviously in the trailer as well that he wants certain people to remember and this tampering with doctor strange's spell which wong benedict wong who plays the character wong literally <laughs> in most comedic fashion is like strange don't do that spell don't do that spell and he's like oh i won't and there's a cheeky little little wink and there's a i think this film really ultimately does show off the friendship between stephen strange and peter parker really well even though like they're completely worlds apart he's the master of the mystic arts of the mcu or at least you know one of them uh, and then peter's just a high school kid who's on his way to college, or at least wants to. And, you know, he's Peter's doing this out of a selfless act to make his friends' lives better because it seems, as it happens, that because they're associated with Spider-Man, Ned and MJ can't go to Harvard, I think, or M- MIT, MIT, uh, and they really get screwed over, and Peter just wants to help them out, but then he ends up thinking, oh, but gosh, my life's going to be ruined if people don't know. The spell gets ruined, and the fabric of reality is broken and this is where i come to my little roll call of who is in the film i literally when you see the trailer you know they're coming even in the small teaser trailer where you didn't see people's faces but oh my god like willem dafoe back as the green goblin who was the original green goblin from the spider-man films with toby Maguire, especially number one and he, it's really funny actually there's a really good moment i'll bring to that in a minute a highlight for that uh, i think would be the fact that when he is unmasked as the Green Goblin, like he's there and you see Willem Dafoe's face, I love the fact that he just echoes the line from Spider-Man when he first meets Peter going, I'm something of a scientist myself. I just think that it's genuinely such a, a highlight for a little mini nostalgic trip there. And then you get, obviously the first one to actually come through the breach is Dr. Otto Octavius or Doc Ock, played by the amazing Alfred Molina. Uh, just he hasn't changed a little uh, one bit at all and the multifaceted sides to his villainy i just absolutely love them uh, he's great and he's the one that actually you know he faces spider-man he goes oh you've changed your suit peter i don't think that's gonna stop me now oh you've been I, you, he's really impressed by like the nanotechnology of the suit which has been given to him by tony stark which obviously in the spider-man universe of toby Maguire, for doc ock Tony Stark, or at least we think, Tony Stark and all the Avengers and such don't exist, and we'll get back to that later. But one moment for Doc Ock as well, early on, is when he makes his first appearance, and then one of the goblin, green goblin bombs drops onto the floor, and the cackle, that evil cackle, oh, it's just giving chills thinking about it now. The cackle of the green goblin comes into the air, and you see him arrive on his hoverboard thing uh, i don't know whether it's got a proper name but on the hoverboard thing and then you see doc ock go osborne <laughs> it's just because obviously they are contemporaries and they do know each other in that universe but from this point of view 
Doc Ock has been taken from the timeline of Spider-Man 2 back in 2004. And by this point, Norman Osborn is actually dead. So he's like he's seeing a ghost and he's not really sure what's going on with it. He can't believe his eyes. Uh, and the same thing goes, obviously, we get the likes of... Uh, we got Sandman coming back as well. Thomas Hayden Church's character. Also, Risa fans as the Lizard or Kurt Connors. Uh, Electro, played by Jamie Foxx from the amazing Spider-Man films. I only know that because, well, I saw a poster and I heard that he was from it and also i don't remember him from the toby Maguire films we also then yeah those are the our sort of main villains you know the green goblin doc ock sandman lizard uh electro all of those guys uh, like i said bendit cumberbatch back as doctor strange such a great overall cast it's almost like an avengers level film really and the film itself was nearly three hours long as well so you know it's on that level of avengers endgame but in the spider-man universe and as i said happy hogan aunt may all your favorite characters are back and um i think jamie fox really comes into his own i haven't like i said i think as of the recording of this i have watched bits now of um the andrew garfield films and I think that, you know, based on what I know of the comics as well from Spider-Man, you know, Electro in Spider-Man No Way Home has a more comic book accurate look, or at least with an MCU touch. So he's not that horrible blue electric colour, which we do see him start out with in the opening parts of the film where he is introduced. Uh, but, you know, Doctor Strange basically gets Peter to collect all of them so he, he can send them back so that the fabric of reality can be fixed again and we don't affect the timeline and everything to do with the multiverse. Tom Holland gets his chance to say, the multiverse is real, once again. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it wasn't enough asking about it to Mysterio, who was actually not from the multiverse, uh, but now we actually get the genuine of, oh my god, the multiverse is real. And, you know, the MCU is going in that direction towards Phase 4 in its TV shows and its films. And it ultimately, all of this creates a massive nostalgia trip for everybody who's like, it's the same for like DC as well. You know, when you open the possibilities of the multiverse, there's no longer this whole thing of, oh, I prefer Keaton's Batman to Ben Affleck's Batman and they don't exist in the same universe and that kind of thing. No, the fun of it is that everybody exists in the same universe. And yes, you can have your favorites, but it's quite fun and interesting to have that idea of them interacting with each other. So, you know, to have Tom Holland's Peter Parker who's fairly new to everything Spider-Man-y, or you know, he acts like it. Like I said, that transition from a boyish innocence to a man, which we are following in this journey, is explored. And the fact that he really wants to become, you know, everyone's got the pressure to, everyone pressures him to, you know, is he going to be the new Tony Stark? Because he was under Stark as an, an apprentice, as it were. And he really comes into his own, you know, trying to make the villains realize that they don't have to be villains and their ailments which make them evil can be fixed uh, and ultimately like i said you know this is all spoiler ahead but the fact that i really love the way that doc ock is the one that gets changed and everybody else is sort of uh, they do get changed but they have their evil within them right until the end especially willem defoe's green goblin i think it's just truly i think willem defoe deserves an oscar really for his massive mad performance as the green goblin because i think it's the first time ever we've managed to see an mcu villain who's just generally evil i mean i saw that written somewhere generally evil like not really it doesn't have to have a really bad backstory i know we like characters to have an in-depth backstory and the emotion but the emotion in spider-man no way home comes from peter parker mj ned that trio 
and you know the actual characters are the heart of our film the villains really are whilst people would argue oh that's a bit two-dimensional well at the end of the day it's a comic book movie what do you expect it needs to be that fast-paced action thrilled ride that you would you would get from reading a comic so you know the fact that the green goblin just want is just crazy because he's crazy and you know it's a split personality but in just a comic booky villain way that's okay you don't have to have some weird strange backstory that's a bit convoluted and you can see they've made it up just to give them a bit more clarity and a bit more grounding you know i really love the fact that some of the villains in some respects you need a 2d villain because at the end of the day, we love a bit of smash, smash, smash at the end of the day. Like, you know, like the Hulk says, Hulk smash. I would say that at the end of the day, the main stars of this film are obviously the main characters. Green Goblin comes into his own. Doc Ock, his redemption is, I, you know, that's the 3D aspect of the villainy that I love is the fact that you get a bit of redemption for some of these characters but without going too far into a convoluted made-up backstory and doc ock definitely has a bit of a you know it's a simple thing of taking the switch or like a chip out or changing something to make him back to what he used to be and there's an interaction which i'll get to at the end of the podcast which i thought was the most emotional and lovely moment which i thought you could ever see between um spider-man and doc ock a villain (laughs) um sandman is interesting because he starts off being a friend to this new peter uh, in his eyes but then he's sort of in the background he's there he's a bit annoyed that he just wants to go home kind of thing because he's been taken away from his universe uh electro jamie fox i think he's come into his own he i think he's more of a catalyst in this film up with green goblin than anything i think everyone has their own moments i think lizard and sandman are a little bit subdued lizard is just sort of there like cunning going oh this is going to happen like trying to predict things but he's just sort of skulking around and sandman's just moping going i want to go home and that's one one thing that i'd say that's not really very good part of spider-man no way home is the fact that those villains aren't very served very well but then again if you've got so many characters yeah yes there's three hours pretty much to play with but there's so much character to develop in there and i think with that many characters i think there's bound to be someone that gets left behind at some stage or another uh but yeah like i said green goblin and doc ock and electro are like the top three you could have just had those three guys in it and it would have worked really well it could have been really good for a three-on-three face-off at the end of the film which brings me to my next point and talking about some of the highlights so i've discussed um the redemption of doc ock and the villainy of the green goblin willem dafoe comes and finds aunt may and he's like a homeless person looking just looking for help and he needs help and you know we hear this i'm a scientist line and then he just switches and flips and i love that shot where we see the green goblin mask and it just cracks and i I just absolutely love it you know willem dafoe destroys it it's just there smiling at him just like it was in the original toby Maguire films i just love that eerie callback Uh, and as i said we've got jk simmons as well we've actually got as well i should mention as j jonah jameson not the same j jonah jameson but a new version for the mcu but he's just as annoyed that spider-man and thinking he's a menace and everything like that Uh, so we get a little bit of classic spidey action there and a little callback to jk simmons's portrayal it's quite funny actually jk simmons has been in pretty much i think every single spider-man variation of the character on film 
in the live action sense anyway and he's always been the actor to play him everybody else has had a variation whereas jk simmons is the only variation of j jonah jameson and i yeah this leads me on to my next part really so character moments i love all of those inclusions for the callbacks and nostalgia like i said green goblin's first appearance osborne and doc ock's entrance and is surprised that peter's not who we think he is so that's all nostalgia based the thing i'm going to bring up now the most important thing i know it's taken me a while to get to this point but i had to save it for the middle of the podcast section and that is the fact that we got to see three spider-men on the same screen in the same frame for multiple times i just i I just loved it it was amazing three peter parkers three spider-men Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, I think they work as as a trio, you know, I love Ned MJ and Tom Holland's Peter as a trio in the MCU as like a young cast that's really up and rising in the ranks, and they're brilliant actors themselves, but I do think that the three Spider-Men, it really shows the possibilities of bringing variations of your favourite character together and seeing how they bounce off each other, comparing and contrasting, like there's literally, one of my highlights is a scene where they literally sit around and talk. They're at the top of the, the new Statue of Liberty, as Yelena would say in the uh, Hawkeye TV series. If you haven't seen that, do watch it. But they're at the top of the Statue of Liberty waiting for the villains to come along, and they all sit around discussing, comparing web shooters and the fact that Toby's is organic, whereas Tom Holland's and Andrew Garfield's are not organic at all. They have to actually create their own web shooters. They have to do things sort of more sciencey then and more practically whereas toby's it's more biological then and they compare and contrast there's a really the funny moment the moment that stands out the most as well for lots of people uh the back crack scene <laughs> the scene where andrew garfield helps toby Maguire's spider-man crack his back oh i've got a middle back thing yeah oh, do you want to help that out crack and the other thing that as well that's going around at the moment in discussions online is and in person as well is the I've always wanted brothers from Andrew Garfield and I think 2021 it's become Andrew Garfield year even though for me personally I've only actually seen him in two films really Tick Tick Boom and Spider-Man No Way Home he's definitely coming back to the Marvel fandom with something extra and new and a newfound love I think and that's what made me get back into watching some of his stuff you know for the first time in fact you know i understood that again spoilers here but gwen stacy she dead (laughs) she you know he couldn't save her he saves her just but he doesn't save her in time and this leads me to my next favorite moment is the moment where you see in the trailer is tom holland spider-man gonna catch mj you see the hands meeting and then he gets taken out i think by electro or one of the others and then andrew's spider-man sees that his like younger peter his younger brother in a way he sees that this other version of himself he's gonna lose his gwen as it were so his mj obviously andrew doesn't have an mj because i don't think we ever see mj in the amazing spider-man to my knowledge but he knows how that feels to lose the one the girlfriend the one you love the most and he's not gonna let that happen again and Again, I'm getting chills just talking about it now, but the the fact that, you know, Spidey's out of action for Tom and then Andrew swoops in and catches her and he has a moment where he's just crying, going, are you okay? Are you okay? I just, it's a moment that brought a tear 
even though I'm not really emotionally connected to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, it brought a tear to my eye because I was like, oh my God, that's so lovely. Uh, and then, you know, I feel like the other thing as well, I've completely skipped as well because I'm going in random order here. I've completely skipped the fact that the entrances of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are probably the most up there with the portals because it is portal based as well. So the portals in Avengers Endgame that was my favourite moment of Endgame and MCU in general. The portals in Spider-Man No Way Home are equally just my favourite. So Ned is discovering that he has some sort of magical ability and connection to the source, the world of the sorcerers like Doctor Strange because he stole Doctor Strange's ring. Well, Peter did, and then he's using it. And he was messing around and discovered that he can create portals. And it turns out that the, both the Peters had been brought through in the breach of the universe when the spell went wrong. And when Ned goes, they're at Ned's aunt's house, I think, or something like that, or grandma. Him and MJ are thinking, oh, how can we find Peter? Peter's distraught because this is the other thing as well. Before I go on to this moment, the entrances, I love, you know, the sadness of actually the credibility of killing a character off. So Aunt May... <laughs> I was devastated. I was devastated. Like half the audience that were watching the film with me, absolutely devastating because she's been such a lovely person. And like the fact that we've not had a really old lady playing Aunt May, like it is in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man cartoon uh, adventure series, um, the original Spider-Man. You know, all the versions of Aunt May have always been an older woman, whereas this woman has been like a younger aunt who's been able to keep up with Peter in pace and in terms of her youth as well like she's not the same age as peter by any means but she's got that youthful vibe and she's been able to keep up with him and his mishaps since she discovered he was spider-man at the end of homecoming and i just think she was such a lovable character as well she was so cool and calm and collected and like chilled and very funny as well that her loss in the scene where she gets killed by the green goblin was heartbreaking like the film at the end broke me but that moment broke me just a little little bit extra as well on top of everything else as a whole film but yeah following the loss of aunt may peter tom holland's peter goes missing and he's hiding somewhere we can't find him and then ned's like find peter parker <laughs> and then a portal opens and we see someone dressed as spider-man and immediately even though i don't know anything about andrew garfield at this point i know it's andrew garfield my girlfriend's sister turned to me and said, oh my God, it's Toby. And I was like, um, no, it's not. It can't be because the, the, the slenderness and the posture and everything, it looks like Andrew Garfield, the way he stood. And also because he was suited up, he had his, the eyes. You could just about see the eyes and the dark shadow. You could tell that it was Andrew's suit. And I was like, oh my God. I physically, I was like, I gasped. I, I clapped. And, you know, I don't normally clap in a cinema, but the thing with this one is, I genuinely, so many people cheered and whooped and clapped. It was just like Avengers Endgame. It was a, such a great cinema experience. And that's what I'd say about Spider-Man No Way Home. It was a cinema experience. Like, if you watch it at home, I think it's going to be, and you you see get someone to watch it for the first time, they might get the same reaction, but it's only in a small room with either themselves or a couple of family members or, you know, a partner or something like that. Whereas the cinema, it was a very full cinema. It was such an electric vibe no pun intended on electro but the entrance of andrew was exciting he just pulls his mask off he's like where am i who are you guys my name's peter parker <laughs> and then when you know uh, there's a whole comedic sketch of 
Ned's grandma asking him to get rid of a cobweb and oh it's just it's it's paced really realistically that's what I would think and that's why in the emotional scenes it works so well but then when Toby comes through you know we're all thinking oh we're gonna do they say they want to look for another Peter they want to look for Peter and they do it again you just know Peter's coming through the original Peter Parker from the live action universe and I was excited for that and the minute he came by and he waved so with his innocent boyish eyes, even though he looks older now and he's had a haircut, honestly, I was just so excited. Beyond belief, it was so exciting. It was, yeah, I, I, I fanboy moment there, right geeky moment there for me. I would just say, yeah, perfect way to introduce them with such an epic way. I think any time a portal comes now in a film, we're going to be like, oh, which classic vintage actor character is going to come through that door? <laughs> you know, I was really excited. So when, yeah, I was excited for them. And then when it come to it, at the end of the film, one of my other moments, the ending of the film, well, sort of the, toward the climax of the film then. So I, I enjoyed that I've always wanted brother's moment from Andrew. That was really uh, emotional and his performance overall. I think it really made me realize that, you know, I shouldn't have listened to everybody saying his Spider-Man was rubbish and I should have given it a chance. Uh, and then him catching MJ was just an emotional gripping moment for me. And like I said, the moments where they're comparing things like their own web shooters and the back cracking incident, everything it was played out quite real and at the end of the day it was very realistic because if you met yourself if you were able to go to another dimension or you met a version of yourself that looked the same or even looked different but it's the same person through the same experiences surely you'd be asking similar questions like oh how do you deal with this or whatever or do you have this and they're like no i don't you know realistically you'd be asking those kind of questions ultimately spider-man no way home in those moments portrays a very real emotional rawness that you wouldn't get from any other film because other films it's like hey we're going to beat this bad guy boom 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 uh, but this one it really delves deep into the emotional aspects of a character's mindset especially multiple versions of a character so like i said the three spider-men uh, one thing that i will never get over <laughs> is the moment when all three spider-men when they're about to face the uh, you can't call them the Sinister Six, the uh, Ferocious Five, <laughs> because there was only five of them. I don't know what happened to the idea of doing six of them, but I suppose they had too much screen time covered already with the rest of them, especially with Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and Electro being the main plot points of the film, with Lizard and Sandman as their sort of support acts. But I love the oldest by the entrances we've seen with Ned and MJ. Those are great. Uh, and I love how the gag of, oh, can you clean the spider web or can you do this is repeated with Toby when he comes in as well. Uh, and when the three Spider-Men appear in one shot at the end on the new Statue of Liberty, where they all have their own individual poses. So, and they're all very classic to what their Spider-Man did to see them. It's like a, you know, to quote Deadpool, superhero landing <laughs> when they land all together and they have their own poses. So, um, Tom has his little sort of stance which i'm sure you're familiar with toby has his sort of triangle legs and andrew has a slightly different variation on that i love seeing them all together as they're preparing to go to battle with the bad guys and then 
yeah overall it's great other little highlights as well i love ned with stranger's cape at one point <laughs> i just love that that he just goes to ned to save ned and he's just flying the sorcerer ned a disney plus series waiting to come <laughs> um but yeah ultimately so many lovely character moments and then when at the end of the film the moment that gets it for me is when tom's character wants to kill somebody he's never wanted to kill someone before or not very much anyway, but he wanted to kill Willem Dafoe for killing Aunt May. And then the fact that we get the original Spider-Man, in my eyes anyway, coming back to remind this Peter that revenge is not the way. Violence is not the option. It's better for redemption than anything. The way that he tried to work out with the villains and making them see their the error of their ways is something that he should have held on to, the optimism. But the optimism of tom holland's peter parker slowly fades when he gets doctor strange to make everybody forget who peter parker is as well as spider-man who peter parker is so you know everyone knows spider-man but he will be forgotten and all his friends won't remember him friends family everyone he'll be a no one even to doctor strange and a quick note as well about doctor strange I love the whole sequence where they're in the mirror dimension and we get Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange. That was a visual effects sort of like classic Marvel thing, but that's how we sort of got rid of Doctor Strange and put him to a side so that Peter could do his own thing with his friends and the villains and everything and the new Spider-Man or old Spider-Man. But I think that with this film, ultimately we get a tonal shift from fun, exciting, thrilling to emotional and by the time we get to the end once this spell has been cast and no one remembers Peter Parker at all everybody goes back to their own dimensions um, you know Doc Ock has been redeemed I love like I said another quick thing when Doc Ock goes Peter it's good to see you my dear boy and just the love and just the loving look in Alfred Molina's face <laughs> looking at Tobey Maguire Tobey Maguire's like yeah hey guys uh, it's just it's such a lovely moment lovely little character moment I think but once all of that's over and they've all been sent back to their appropriate dimensions and their multiversal places and whatnot, Peter is forgotten completely by everybody. Only Spider-Man is known. No one knows who Spider-Man is. And then after promising MJ and having that lovely romantic kiss like you expect to see in these kind of things at the end of the film saying, I will come and find you guys. I will tell you who I am. I will explain everything. He goes to do it. He to this uh, the little donut shop which MJ works in, which we've seen her work in before. We see him try to tell Ned and MJ who he is, and he doesn't. He has a moment with Happy. He doesn't say anything. And ultimately, we see him sewing his own suit up, making his own suit a little bit in the same way that Tobey Maguire made his own suit in the original Spider-Man film from 2002. And then we get to see him swinging across New York City in a classic Spider-Man fashion where the end of the film is when he swings through the city. And I, I, to be honest, you know, that's a nice ooh, air punch moment. But I think it would have been even nicer just to have an ending of him walk out of the donut shop door and go, I'll see you around and then walk out. And we, we know he's going to go and try and find MJ and Ned because he has books to study to get into MIT and stuff like that. And that's obviously where the next load of films are going. Uh, and overall... It wraps up the films quite nicely, but it leaves us on a nice cliffhanger. So if there's more films, which apparently, according to Amy Pascal, the Sony producer of Spider-Man, there is going to be at least another three films, and there's definitely going to be a Spider-Man 4 for Tom Holland. So there could be more to come. But overall, it was a nice bookend to Spidey's arc from Captain America Civil War all the way up to No Way Home. I'd say the film is up there with Avengers Endgame 
on an epic scale. The levels of epicness in this film are Avengers Endgame level, I would say. So I just can't explain how much more I love this. The thing that I would say is, and just to conclude this episode, whilst I have said how much I love this film and I've talked through the bits that I love, the bits that really got me excited, I feel like that the nostalgia for this... So if people, kids in the future, people in the future who haven't seen it, watch No Way Home after watching the Toby films, the Andrew films, they will get the same nostalgia that we as a cinema audience got but i think after a while for those who have seen it before and even people who haven't seen it before they won't feel the same because it'll be a all oh, it happened and that's it so for people who've seen it when you watch it back again you'll be like oh yay this is the bit where toby comes in this is the bit where andrew comes in this is where the green goblin takes his final vengeance and kind of thing like that but i don't think we'll get the same experience as we did in the cinema it's one of those films that has been made for a big blockbuster, crowd-pleasing cinema audience then. Because when I watched it, people clapped and cheered. You're not going to clap and cheer when you watch it on Disney Plus or a Blu-ray or any home streaming media device or anything like that. You're going to be like, yeah, yeah, air punch. But, you know, you're not going to... If I'd watched this at home for the first time and not in the cinema, yeah, I might have gasped and I would have gone, oh, yeah, that kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't think... I would have had the same experience as I did in the cinema. And that's why seeing films in the cinema sometimes is often the best way. Lots of people are arguing, saying that, oh, because of the downside of the downfall of, I think it's The Last Jewel, the Ridley Scott film, because it didn't do well in the cinema, but better on streaming. The future of proper, decent films in some people's eyes is on streaming services, and then the cinema is for blockbusters only. I disagree with that very strongly um i think it's just because of the type of film that it is uh, and yes whilst people who watch it home media and are a bit more serious about serious cinema might have enjoyed the last jewel more in my opinion it's just yeah it, i i know people who are my age who enjoyed the last jewel who are in their 20s you know it, it really is just down to personal choice and when you think about it yes i'm in my 20s at this point now watching a marvel film I followed the journey from early on-ish, semi, but younger people will watch that and find enjoyment from it, whereas The Last Jewel is not a film aimed at that age range. So that's just my opinion. And yeah, like I said, the effect won't be as good for people watching it again and again at home. You'll be excited to watch it if you leave it for a while, but now you know that you get to see three Spider-Men and a load of classic Spider-Man villains from other franchises you're not going to have the same effect. So that's why it's not going to age as well as it could be seen in the future. But hey-ho, I love Zendaya's performance. It was brilliant. I love the awkward teeniness of it. Ned's comedy throughout was amazing. And as for Tom Holland, by the end of the film, Spider-Man has grown into a man. He's no longer Spider-Man in only name and not by nature. He is now officially earned some sort of... And I don't mean manliness as in strength or, like, toughness. Like, I feel like because he's grown into an adult, that's the more appropriate way, I would say it, that he loves life for everything that it is, and now he's lost everything, and he now needs to go and find it again. But he realises what he had, he took for granted, and he's lost it, but now he's going to try and get it back, hopefully, in what will be more Spider-Man films. But yeah, that's all I've got to say on this... Uh, film at the end of the day the death of aunt may was tragic three spider-men all in one go was amazing portals just if you see them coming something great's gonna happen that's all i'll say there and my favorite character 
it's got to be i loved all the spider-men but mj is sort of has been my favorite character for the previous films and i loved her in far from home and the romantic element of it and a little bit of that in this film as well but i love doc ock doc ock was amazing <laughs> doc ock was great he was so multifaceted so bad then good then bad but not really bad but good again and then on top of that doctor strange was amazing and before we conclude this episode the post credit scene we get to see the the right at the end of the film it's basically a trailer which everybody should have seen by now for doctor strange 2 the multiverse of madness i'm so excited to see what happens with that and i'm most likely going to be doing a review on that when that comes out and when i do eventually see that so keep your ears peeled for an episode on some more multiversal madness i couldn't think of anything else to say that but let's go for it <laughs> so to conclude spider-man no way home i give it a solid four out of five stars only four because i think that the nostalgia factor really drove it and my experience in the cinema was one thing but watching it again i will enjoy it but it won't be the same as when i saw it in the cinema and it will lose its sort of nostalgia factor and excitement levels when I watch it for the second, third, and even fourth and beyond time, yeah? So if you love Spider-Man and you have not cared a single bit about any of the spoilers that I've disclosed, why not go and watch it? Watch all the Spider-Man films from Tom Holland's era, and in fact watch all of them, because then that'll make a lot more sense to anyone who's watching especially no way home with the multiversal elements to it so that's a wrap on take 97 a film podcast with me your host david ingram on the spider-man no way home edition i look forward to seeing you on the next episode and just keep listening and keep enjoying the world of film thank you very much for listening guys see you later